She Did It Her Way podcast, episode 299, from side hustle to full-time entrepreneur with Dana Dowdell. Hello, and welcome to She Did It Her Way, a podcast dedicated to helping you launch a business that allows you the freedom to create from anywhere, design your own schedule in a way that supports you, and pursue what it is that lights you up. I'm Amanda Bolin, your host, and it is time to do it your way. Are you planning to start a side hustle? How about running your side hustle into a full-time business? You may be considering moving out of corporate America and starting your own business, or probably you are at the beginning of your transition. So regardless of where you're at in your journey, today's guest, Dana Dowdell's entrepreneurial story will give you the inspiration to take the leap and turn your side hustle into a full-time business. Dana Dowdell is the owner and HR fanatic behind Boss Consulting, a boutique consulting firm that offers human resources services to small business owners. Her business started with an obsession for everything HR and a crazy desire to help others. In this podcast episode, Dana is going to share her exact strategies and her journey on how she transitioned out of corporate America, the challenges she's encountered along the way, a few HR tips as we are hiring on our first employee, and things to be aware of when hiring contractors. So let's go to the show. Hello, hello, you guys. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today, I am hanging out with Dana Dowdell, who is the founder of Boss Consulting HR. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah, me too. Well, we're going to dive into um, a couple of different parts here. We're going to talk about Dana's going to share her transition out of corporate America and how she built her side hustle and now how she's running it full time. And then we're going to dive into talking a little bit about HR and things to be aware of when you're hiring contractors along with hiring your first employee and the do's and don'ts. So I'm going to turn it over and let Dana give us the background on her and what she is all about. So Dana, take it away. Awesome. Thanks, Amanda. So I am Dana Dowdell. I own Boss Consulting HR and I'm a boutique human resources uh, consulting firm and I also do career coaching. And uh, I am like the the textbook uh, side hustle to full-time entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been working in HR for close to nine years now and worked mostly in hospitality, a lot for corporate companies. Um, and over the past two years, I started a side hustle of doing HR consulting on the side. Um, and which I'm so, I'm sure so many other people find themselves in that, in that spot. And, um, and I finally just recently got to the point where I quit my full-time job and I'm doing this, this full-time. So I focus specifically on small businesses, uh, small businesses that are in that point where maybe they don't need a full-time HR person, but they need some additional support and guidance on how to navigate the entire world of having employees. Yeah. So many questions that I have for you coming out of that. And let's start what, with what your journey looked like. How did you, when did you get the itch that you were thinking, okay, I want to start a side hustle. I want to do my own thing. What was it that piqued your interest? And then we'll continue to dive in deeper to the whole journey. It's so funny because I remember when I first went to college, I was a freshman in college and I went to be, I started a degree to be a math teacher. And I remember I was walking around campus one day and I was like, 
oh my God, I don't want my day to be <laughs> defined by a school bell. And, and that is, stands out as like the first moment for me where I was like, okay, this, I don't want someone to pick my schedule for me. I really want to pick my schedule for myself. But at the same time, I'm a very risk adverse person. And so, you know, not having a regular income and going into it full time was not something that I was comfortable with. And so, and I also knew in HR, like a lot of your credibility in HR comes from actually experiencing things. So you don't know what a Department of Labor audit looks like unless you've actually been through it. It's not necessarily something that they teach you in school. <laughs> and so it was really important for me to get a lot of good experience in the field before I felt comfortable enough to go out on my own. And so two years ago, I started working at a nonprofit and it was one of those jobs where you just like my soul was getting sucked on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. But it was a very passive job and it was it just it 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 afforded me the opportunity to uh do the start the side hustle thing. And so I started I joined a, a networking group called BNI Business Networking International, um, which is a relationship and referral-based network networking group. And so that was like my first uh, move as far as getting my name out there. I started to talk to a lot of people about it. And my first client actually was a hospitality group who I worked for when I was like just in college, when I was like 20. Oh, no um, way. Yeah. And so, and it worked out very well for me because a lot of my clients for the first I would say year and a half, it was all project-based. So I think that's a good place to start for people is if you want to do some type of side hustle, try to do it in a project-based way because I didn't have people calling me during my work day, during my traditional work day. And so I would come home from work and I'd work on these projects and I'd have, you know, email chains that I could attend to, but it wasn't, you know, phone calls that were interrupting my nine to five. And so that made it very easy for me to balance it and build clientele and build, um, you know, standardized forms and stuff that I could use in the future. And then through networking and through putting myself out there and um, connecting with people, I mean, that's truly, for me, that was truly the way that I got to where I was as I pounded the pavement and I told people about what I do. Um, but it got to the point where, I was working at the nonprofit and I had clients who needed me in an instant and were calling me at 11 o'clock in the morning. Mm. And I have a very strong moral and ethical compass. And so for me, like that didn't feel right. And so I decided that I was ready to put the things in place to finally make the transition. And uh, I literally just finished my full-time job on Friday. Like, oh my God. I just finished my full-time job on Friday. Oh, congrats. Yeah. And, and it was, you know, I had a fantastic boss and I was always very open about what my plans were and gave a month's notice. And I never, I always tell people never burn a bridge, never burn a bridge. It's really important. Mm -hmm. um, but I finally felt like I was in a good place to take the leap. And so I did. That's amazing. So I want you to dive in to some of the, okay. So you had the side hustle for two years and I love mm -hmm. how you said you just pounded the pavement. And I always coach people and recommend it's about taking massive action in the beginning, 
because you don't know what you don't know until you take the action and you put yourself out there. How did you, what was the determining factor that you said, okay, I'm in a position that I feel comfortable because you did mention your risk adverse. Was it a certain amount of money that you had saved? Was it a certain amount of client uh, accounts, like future accounts receivable? What was it for you that allowed you the confidence to say, okay, now's the time? Uh, I would say the main decision was driven by money and that I had three really solid clients who based on contracts that I had with them, it would match or exceed my current income. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think it's important as you're making the transition and you know, I, I probably didn't really practice what I'm preaching right now, but I remember I was listening to another entrepreneurial podcast and they mentioned this as well is that it's very easy to think like, Oh, if I make, $1,000 a week at my full-time job and I make $1,000 a week in my side hustle, that's enough. But when you do go out on your own, it's there's all these additional things that mm-hmm. you have to pay for that you don't often think about. Um, so for me, it really was like knowing that with these three clients alone, I was going to be matching or exceeding my income. So that was a definite like comfort point for me. And I just... I felt like my reputation was was at a different level than it was before, if that makes sense. Mm, no, I, good. Dive, tell us a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. So I just, through my networking group and through, I'm a member of a co-working space here in Connecticut. And I just felt like I would I would meet people and before I would have to, you know, explain myself and explain who I am. And then I started noticing that I would meet people and introduce myself and it would be like, it it just became a different reaction where they maybe had heard of me before, Mm -hmm. or maybe they understood what I did. And so that created a different comfort level with me. And that like, I I was, my reputation and my reach was at a point where it could be bringing more sustainable business. Hmm. So when you first started out and you did project-based work, did you know exactly the type of projects that you wanted to do or was it, I mean, I have to imagine you were throwing things against the wall, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. And it was, you know, when it comes to HR, it's what's nice about HR is like, I can, I can pitch to a client that they need a handbook and that's like a great project to consult on. But then that would also and often lead to other consulting work. Mm. And so there was a little bit of like, especially in HR too, it's like you have people approaching and and they don't always know what they need. So for me, it was, you know, handbooks and HR audits were a great place to start and to figure that out. Um, Yeah. I mean, there was a little bit of like throwing it at the wall and like, I don't feeling like I don't really know what I'm doing, but at the end of the day, I know more than my clients do, which is why they were coming to me. Right. How did you go about, one of the questions that I get a lot is when someone's starting their business is how do I know how to price myself? Gosh. (laughs) I, so like I, I have probably like watched all these YouTube videos on it. I, you know, I'm a member of bossed up. Like I I consumed all that material about like pricing yourself right and negotiating and charging your worth. And then when it comes down to it, I completely failed when I first started. I will, I I won't lie. I was charging 
I mean, I was charging $65 an hour for consulting work when I have a master's degree and I'm certified by a, a huge HR organization. And I eventually got to the point where like that wasn't looking at it and like looking at the numbers on paper, that wasn't going to get me to being able to do this full time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a learning process, like figuring out, there's a ton of research you can do, but and that's part of it is doing the research, but having having the confidence in yourself to say like, no, I am worth, you know, a hundred bucks an hour, 120 bucks an hour. And you kind of have to like self-coach yourself through it. I remember I was hopping on a phone call with a potential client to talk about doing some training. And I, I literally, before I hopped on the call, I wrote myself a sticky note and I said, you know, $80 an hour, $80 an hour. That's what you charge. You don't charge 65 anymore. You charge 80. And so I had to set those reminders and just get way more comfortable talking about money with people. Yeah. I love, and I love that you shared it because it, it is so much in the beginning too, that, you know, the price that you start out with probably like you have to assume that it will go up over time. And part mm-hmm. of that is just gaining the confidence through your ability and showing yourself that you are worth that and you are delivering great work to to your clients. Um it, let's see, where do I want to go from here now? Because there's so many good things that you just <laughs> left us. I'm like, ooh, I don't want to move directly on to talking about HR just yet because I think there's so much value in hearing everyone's journey as a side hustler to then going full time. Talk to us about like what was a really big hurdle or challenge for you in your side hustle days when maybe you didn't deliver what you told, you didn't meet the expectation of the client or you thought it was a setback. And can you elaborate on that for us? Mm. Um, I have one client that I, I had a, a project agreement with them to do a handbook and an HR audit. And um, it, it was one of those things where like I, I did the, I did the audit and that was fine. But then with the handbook, I just, I just waited until the last minute and in the contract, I had an agreed upon date that I would deliver the project on. And, and I did deliver it on, on that date, but it just, it felt so rushed and it felt like the quality wasn't where I wanted it to be. And, you know, thankfully I have a great relationship with them and we were able to make some adjustments even after, and they've turned into um, you know, a long, a long-term client, but I'm a big, like gut feeling person. And it just, it just didn't feel like I delivered to the level that I wanted to deliver on that project. They were my very first client. And, and for someone who took a risk on me, like I felt that I needed to step up with them. And so that was a big learning experience about managing your time and managing your deliverables and, and figuring out like how to truncate my projects and how to truncate my, my time and my work, um, going forward. Yeah. And when you say you said truncate, yes, no, 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 no. That's right. Actually, that's the funny thing is, is the first time I ever learned the meaning of that word was in honors geometry and high school, like truncating a, I don't know that I will always remember that. That was Mrs. Besh. Um, (laughs) Anyway, I digress. Yeah. As I'm sure, I mean, it is a lot of testing and tweaking and, you know, thinking it's going to take you an hour to do something when in reality it might take you two hours and you don't know that until you do it. And then, so next time you tweak how you position your services before we move into the HR piece of it, 
I would love for you to share, like, what is your strategy moving forward in continuing to either a maintain the relationships with your current client base and number two, to continue growing and getting more clients in your funnel to whether it's outbound marketing or inbound marketing, what's your strategy to do that? I'm like a fly by the seat of my pants person. So (laughs) I can't sit here and tell you that I have, you know, a marketing plan and, um, I really, you know, everyone keeps asking me like, Oh, how do you know when you're, when you've grown to the point of needing to bring on another consultant? And, and, and I don't know what that point will be. I know for me, it's, it's, I, I really want to try to serve my current clients better. So I want to be more accessible and I want to, um, do more on site work with them and just, and just serve them better. I'm working on, or I have this one product, um, that's really fantastic for small businesses and it's a kind of like a help line in the sense. So like mm-hmm. a small business that doesn't need, um, on-site HR work, but maybe they have to, uh, coach an employee on a performance topic and they want a little bit of guidance on how to handle it and they can pick up the phone or shoot me an email and get a response. Um, and it's like a very low commitment, um, on the client side of things. So I'm really trying to push that service to businesses who maybe aren't ready to jump full time into having an HR consultant, but wanting to test the waters a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's what you you mentioned that you're you are working on and mm-hmm. you have coming up in the future. So that's very exciting. Yeah. So as a business owner, now we're transitioning into the HR piece. What is, what are some like HR no nos or HR must dos for someone who's hiring contractors or hiring their first employee as a solopreneur? Yes, that's a great question. So I see all the time solopreneurs bringing on independent contractors either to do their bookkeeping or social media. And that's a great place to start because then you can start to scale your business. Um, I'm always, I think one of the biggest mistakes that small businesses can do and solopreneurs can do is they misclassify the people that they have working for them. So they misclassify them as a 1099 or an independent contractor when in reality they should be classified as an employee. So that's definitely a huge risk area. I would say you definitely want to talk to your tax accountant about that because it's, it's, it's technically an IRS rule, but that happens a lot where they bring them on as an independent contractor, hoping to save money and hoping to save, you know, workers comp insurance costs and, and uh, employment tax costs, but really they should be classified as an employee. So that's, I would say the biggest. What is the the threshold in terms of the difference between how do you know it's appropriate to classify this person as a contractor versus an employee? So with a contractor, you, you as the, the employer or the person that's doing the hiring, you have a, a say over the end product, but not how it's done. So um, when they're an employee, you have uh, a say and control over not only the end product, but the method to which and how they get there. So it, it really has to do with the level of control over you that you as the business owner have over the project or the task or um, the responsibilities. 
So if you're, you know, if you say, I need you to, to do my, uh, my bookkeeping and, and you kind of leave it at that, you're probably safe putting them as an independent contractor. But if you say, I need you, you know, 20 hours a week, I need you here Thursday and Friday. Um, we do A, B, C, and D. You might be looking at more of an employee situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good, um, contrast in terms of which is, is which talk to us a little bit about just like best practices when we are bringing on contractors or bringing on full-time employees that you've observed, whether it's through onboarding from an employee engagement standpoint, or it's just from more of a process oriented, um, oriented. I think compliance is the big part. So you, whether, you know, if you're bringing on a contractor, you want to make sure you have a contract in place because that covers you and it covers them. Um, also for your purposes, making sure that you have a W nine on them. So you're not scrambling at the end of the year, trying to get it from them. And then when it comes to employees, it's the same thing. It's making sure you have their tax forms done, making sure that you have their I nine done and that they're authorized to work in the United States. So there's a huge compliance part of it, but then there's also, uh, I think a really important need to build buy-in and, and that comes in the onboarding process. So whether they're a contractor or an employee doing some type of, um, brief orientation so that they understand your business, they understand your brand, they understand the expectations. It's really important because at the end of the day, whether they are an employee or a contractor, they are representing your business in some way, shape or form. And that's really important. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things like specifically for you and your business? I know we talked a little bit about what you're currently working on. Is there anything else that you can share? Like how you, now that you're full time and you just quit your job Friday, like where is your headspace at right now? Oh gosh. (laughs) And I just, I wanted, I want to peel back and express and share this because I think so much of entrepreneurship is mindset. And if we know what other people are going through, then we're not sitting what I call in a rowboat out in the ocean by ourselves thinking that, okay, I'm, I'm the only one having these thoughts. Yeah. Right. Like, and that's not true. The, the brain and the mind is millions, if not billions of years old. And so most likely the thoughts that we're all thinking as individuals is not the first time that it's being thought. So yeah. where is your headspace currently at now that you've taken the leap, you've quit your job and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm running this full time. I really am aiming to just build more structure into, into my business. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I'm a fly by the seat of my pants kind of person. And I've been doing that for two years and, um, I really need to build more structure into kind of like the miscellaneous business thing. So my, my bookkeeping and tracking my expenses and recurring expenses and getting my arms around that, but also, uh, get more organized in how I serve my clients. So scheduling biweekly calls with them is really important to me right now. So that, that, that's part of that whole serving them better. Um, that they're, that I'm not calling them when they're, when there's a problem and they're not calling me when there's a problem, but that we're one step ahead of things and having these calls on a biweekly basis. Um, and, and just finding more, more organization in my calendar. I think (laughs) it's really where my mind's at right now. Yeah. What, um, is there anything that you would have done differently or you would have done sooner as a side hustler earlier in your business that you didn't do that you later on realize, okay, maybe I should have done that. I, I wish that I LLC'd, um, at the beginning of this year, I wish that I, I, 
and the mindset with that for me is that I really wish that I started to treat my business more like a business earlier Mm -hmm. in doing appropriate bookkeeping and putting together welcome packages for clients and putting like those structural things. I wish that I had started that earlier. And now that I'm like middle of the year, I probably won't LLC until you know, January one of next year. And I just, I really wish that I had started to treat it more like a business sooner. Yeah. I think there are a lot of people and including myself also resonate with that too, because it's when we start treating it like a business, it requires us to truly step up Mm -hmm. and to step out of imposter syndrome about, okay, maybe, maybe this is how I identify myself, but starting to treat it like a business and then showing up as if it is a business because it is a business. And one thing that I do want to circle back that you said earlier too, was just when you talked about the pricing aspect as well, there's so many things that go into, it's more than just, okay, here's the hourly rate when we're together because you're prepping and you're doing so many other different things. And I always share that when I do my freelance work in the beginning, I would get paid on a billable day. I still get paid on a billable day when I do uh, contract work, which I still do. And I would think, oh my gosh, I'm showing up for three days a week, times the billable day. This is amazing. But I didn't account for the fact that I spent five hours on a plane the day prior. Mm -hmm. I'm away from home. I also got to take out X percentage for taxes and then consider X percentage for overhead for software that I use in in the amount of time that I I spend prepping for the material. And Mm -hmm. so just really being mindful of that and working that into and like breaking it down so that you can also build the case as to why you desire to charge the, what you, what you charge. So, um, yeah, thank you for sharing that and peaking that as a conversation piece. Cause it is so important. It is important. And there, there is, there's, I think too, for me, like there's, there's tools in the HR business that could make me a better consultant. And I need to take into account those when I was figuring out my billable my billable hours, you know, cost in HR, it's a huge, continuing education is huge. So putting into consideration like cost of conferences and, and my SHRM certification, you know, all that's really important. Mm-hmm. So. Awesome. Well, we, as we're winding down, I want to ask you one, um, one kind of big question before we get into rapid fire round is cool. you had mentioned um, when we talked about, you know, how has failure set you up for later success? And one of the things that you had says that, it helps you realize that the type of clients that you don't want to work with and the ones that you actually do. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that and walk us through the mindset behind what really stood out for you? Yeah. I think when you're first getting started, it's very easy to like take all and every piece of business that comes your way. <laughs> like there's like that sense you're of like, desperation. I want my money. Yeah. Like there's that sense of desperation in a sense. And, and so I have definitely, I'll t- recruiting is a big, a big thing um, when it comes to figuring out the types of clients that I want to work for, because my philosophy is that um, the the recruiting and the hiring process speaks volumes to how you run your business. And so mm-hmm. when you take the time to find the right people for your business, that sends the message that the whole process is important to the candidate. And so I wound up working with, uh, they're actually a moving company, a local moving company, And my philosophy on recruiting didn't match up with their needs. So they literally needed a warm body that could lift stuff. Mm. You know what I mean? And so it didn't make sense for me to 
phone screen somebody and then set up a an in-person interview that was an hour long it just didn't match their industry and so that really helped me kind of drill down on the fact that I really like working for hospitality companies and service-based industries that really put an emphasis on uh, personality and what people bring to the table and so that was a huge kind of light bulb moment for me like it's okay to say my process doesn't fit your needs and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. That's such a great lesson too. And what you said in the beginning, Mm -hmm. we may take all those things. And I always recommend that have an idea, a little bit of an idea of the type of niche and always know the type of people that you want to work with, but you're never fully going to know until you create that contrast by taking action and experimenting with it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. What, um, I was going to ask you how it's like working from home, but I'm assuming this is like, I had a, I will, you guys, this is a whole other podcast, but I was telling my husband, I'm like, I think I need to get into a co-working space because hanging out behind my computer in my den every day and never really getting out except for a walk and working out. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I need to be around people. I'm just an extrovert. So, well, it's so funny because that was one of my, um, I would say my tools to growth is I joined this really fantastic co-working space called Foundry 66 and they have a membership where you essentially don't have a designated desk, but you can just go in and use any of kind of their open space and they have, you know, killer Wi-Fi and printing services and stuff. But for, for the growth of my business, that was huge because I would sit literally in the entrance. And so if anybody came in inquiring about a specific service that I offered, I was literally right there. Mm -hmm. And so that was really nice. I mean, today I'm working from home and my husband's watching cartoons downstairs at a really high volume. (laughs) You're like, honey, what are you doing? What is going on? Um, And so, but that is nice to have like, cause that is, that's a huge part of job satisfaction is the culture and the environment that you work in. Mm-hmm. And so having those social interactions is really important. So yeah, that was a really find cool. a good one. I would do it. Yeah. Even if it's not even just physically being around and in that space, it's, it's good to have that. And mm-hmm. I went from traveling every single week and being around so many people all the time and working with my peers and laughing and having that interaction to now majority of the time I'm behind a computer and it really mm-hmm. has shown itself that I'm like, okay, I think it's time that I can get a co-working membership to then continue to interact with other people and still have my den. So anyway, another time for another podcast, right? (laughs) Let's go into rapid fire rounds. So these are meant to be quick and fast, whatever it is that comes to your mind first. So first question I have for you is what is something in your life that is a non-negotiable? Um, time, well, time with my friends and sleep. Yes. How many hours a night do you get? How many do you get on average? Um, I try to go to bed by like 9.30 or 10 and I tend to wake up at like 7. Good. Lots of sleep. Sleep is important. Everyone is, everyone's is, is different. What is uh, one thing that you get your inspiration from? Mm, um, Seeing HR missteps. Oh. Yeah. Seeing businesses you know, struggle with that and fail on that. It's an, it's an opportunity for impact and an opportunity for change and training. And yeah. An opportunity for you to be able to do what you do. <laughs> yeah. Yes. What is something that you believe that others may think is insane? 
you hear it all the time, but that the people make your business. Yes. People preach it and I don't think they practice it. 1000%. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have, what is a quote that you live by? Um, be kind because everyone is fighting a battle that you may know nothing about. Mm, love it. And then mm-hmm. the last one is, is what's the best $100 or less purchase one can make in their business? Um, business cards. Mm, mm-hmm. Yes. Old school. <laughs> old school business card. Um, okay. Awesome. Is there anything else that you'd like to share on the show that I haven't touched on? Um, I just want to make the point, and this was a big thing for me too, in, in how you talk about your business really makes a difference. When I first started, it was, oh, I have a side hustle doing HR and I'm trying to be an HR consultant. And when I started to actually talk about like, I'm an HR consultant, I have my own business, I do this, it completely shifted the way that I thought about myself and the way that I interacted with people. And so I think that's really important is, you know, you you essentially have to talk yourself into <laughs> into being a badass entrepreneur. Yes. Yes. And words are so, so Mm -hmm. important and taking them from future tense to present tense. Um, I have a five minute mindset reset challenge, which if you guys haven't done that, you can go to the website and under freebies, click it and join it. But one of the days is all about the words that you use because oftentimes there was um, NPR did a study and it was about, can the words that you use make you richer? And it was saying that certain cultures, they have no future tense with their words. It's all present tense. And then they found a correlation that because it's present tense, they talk about how they're going to save money today versus necessarily in the future. And it doesn't mean that, okay, is that 100% true? But it just shows the power of the words that you use and talking about it that you, I am an HR business consultant. I am an entrepreneur versus, oh, I'm kind of that. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. this has been, um, I yeah. I mean, this has <laughs> been amazing. Thank you for sharing your journey from side hustle to full-time business entrepreneur, and then also sharing those HR tricks and tips with us as well. So thank you, Dana, so much for coming on the show. Where can my listeners learn more about you and your business? So I am on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and my website, it's boss consulting HR. Um, on my website and on Facebook. And then they can find me on Instagram at a dash of boss. Ooh, a little dash. I like that. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Amanda. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast episode. For more information, check out shedidherway.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to leave me a review on iTunes and let me know what you think. Until next time, keep doing it your way.